high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Burning. Leo. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. You've listened to three seasons of us talk, and what's the worst that happened? Oh, wait. I I think Keith just said, we broke the universe. At least that's one thing we can all agree on. Welcome to the third annual season-ending Oopsie Awards, presented by the Out of Practice Podcast. Tonight, we celebrate season three of David E. Kelly's The Practice, featuring Dylan McDermott. Cameron Manheim, Michael Bataluco, Steve Harris, Lara Flynn Boyle, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Marla Sokoloff, and Kelly Williams. Featuring Holland Taylor, Tony Danza, Linda Hunt, Kathy Baker, Edward Herman, religious people behaving badly, including a rabbi rapist, a priest who murdered a woman during an exorcism, 35 nuns accused of attempted murder. A man dressed as a nun who chopped off a lady's head. A religious fanatic who killed a baby. A completely unrelated second dead baby left at a different church. And... Michael Michael Muggs! Please welcome your hosts, Keith Varney and Michael Indeglio! Hello, hello, and welcome to... The season three Oopsie Awards. Thank wow. you so much. So uh, we had excited a to be here. Huge crowd for uh, you know. You're only allowed to assemble two people in the same place. But you know, luckily, I thought it was interesting. If I've never seen uh, 1,800 people, but all spaced six feet apart, it's really been pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's funny. We got 1,800 people in like a football stadium. Yeah. Well, you know, WrestleMania decided not to use the Tampa Bay uh, Stadium, so we luckily were able to get it at a cheap price. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, how are how are things? We are in real life recording this on April fifth, twenty twenty. We are in week three of uh, the apocalypse. How are you doing, Keith? I have such. Uh, I'm doing good. I, uh, I I'm feeling. I've been feeling better. Uh, I've had I had like a three week weird illness that I don't know what it was. As I know you're feeling better. Uh, we've been wearing masks outside, which is eerie and bizarre, but I think at least psychosomatically makes me feel better. And yeah, interestingly, the uh, Governor Cuomo press conference this morning had this weird sort of we might be hitting the crescendo peak plateau area vibe mm-hmm. to it, though there's no sort of confirmation of that, which 
gave me this weird air of like, oh, we'll be done this soon, even though the my like smart half of my brain knows that that's not true. So it's it's weird, all kinds of weird feelings. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely counting down. Wednesday will be my 14 days uh, since the beginning of symptoms, so I'll hopefully be able to at least walk around the block. Now, did you get uh, a fever? I don't know. Mm. We didn't have a thermometer. We tried to order one on Amazon, and they're like, yeah, sure, good luck with that. Right. What is the most... I guess I'm not surprised. What is I'm finding the most challenging is that... I thought that really hyper-narrowing my focus of trusted news sources would alleviate some anxiety. But the just sheer fact that no one can get on a similar page is not helpful. Because when I hyper-focus, I feel like I have gaps in my knowledge. Or that right. I'm following sources that are, are that, that are trying not to panic people and thus saying not really pushing the truth information and, and nobody's on the same page. And if I just follow my governor, I'm not really – it's hard to pay attention to the national. It's, it's just – you really can't win right now. Well, the, the bad news is that the news is bad mm. regardless of your source. And it's just different flavors of how seriously we're taking the bad. But it's uh, – it's grim. It's definitely grim. So, if only there were an award show. If there were, this definitely feels like the time for a self-congratulatory <laughs> giant fake award show for a show that was on 21 years ago. That is true. We should say we're going to save filings and subpoenas for the next episode. This is a uh, we're spending time on on us this week. We're taking some time for some self-care. <laughs> We're taking some time. Yes. All right. Well, we will start this, like we always do, by jumping back into the time machine and talking about ourselves with... This year in the basement. This year in the basement. The year was 1999. We've now just uh, finished up the spring. Take us through. Tell us what 1999 meant to you. 1999, I'll always remember because it was my senior year of high school, and I chose, I guess around this time, maybe slightly before, my handle that has stuck with me, my digital handle as the internet was beginning to explode, I stuck with mine. And thank God I wasn't a moron and choose something early on, you know, in our our late teens, something like Bonerman85, you know, (laughs) as some people have stuck with them over the years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So luckily, I chose Mikey I-99 for my year of graduation, and... Oh, was that what that means? Yeah. So I've oh. stuck with it. I've stuck with it all these years. So 99 is, has come with me into my late adulthood, and it was, you know, I've mentioned it, you know, plethora of times on the podcast. It was the last sort of age of innocence for me. Things, you know, the second I go off to college... Life started for real. Things got yeah. real. 99 was also a, a year where, like, my dad uh, got really sick and had uh, dealt with mouth cancer and a quadruple bypass and got through it like an absolute stud. Really just beat both those things and showed me just how tough he was, which kind of brings the tragedy in a little bit later. We'll get to in future seasons. But, uh, and, 
it was awesome. I, I'm going to quickly just point out what happened this summer. Yeah. Uh, because we won't get really get to discuss it. And I haven't really talked about it on the podcast. I, my brother and I and my sister were always camp counselors since, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a camp in our neighborhood and uh, in our township and we were camp counselors. That's fun. Yeah. And I guess about 93, 93, 94, uh, we noticed a lack of participation in the special needs audience of our camp. So basically there was the quote unquote mainstream kids who did all the camp stuff, fun camp stuff. And then there were the special needs kids who basically just like were put off to the side. Mm. That's not an indictment of how things were run. It just lack of staff, all kinds of, there's a lot of reasons, but we decided that wasn't cool with us. And so we started a new, uh, my brother became the director of the camp and we started a new, what we call team T and team terrific. And we, started a new policy of full mainstream integration, meaning that if we were playing kickball, everybody was playing kickball. Everybody. And, you know, kickball is an easy example, but we had all kinds of special needs from Down syndrome to people with crew de Shah to people with who were bl- just simply blind or uh, nonverbal or in a wheelchair, you know, the the gamut. Because as news sure, spread, sure. obviously our, our number of kids grew because uh, there wasn't a lot of other activities in the summer for this population. Anyway, over the over the years, it became probably still to this day the greatest thing I've ever been a part of, because not only were we helping just being create creative and on the fly and finding ways to make it work, but we were getting the cooperation of kids, the quote unquote mainstream kids from uh, four years old up to 15 years old. And, you know, those kids went on to become involved in the octagon club involved in becoming special needs teachers in taking over the camp eventually when we sold it back to the township wow and i just began thinking about it again because you know obviously as life goes on you becomes uh, my life is my has narrowed quite a bit and i and i was trying to think the other day i was watching crip camp which is uh, a documentary on netflix produced by barack obama about one of the first sort of special needs camps and it just brought me back and I realized I don't talk about it enough and I don't relive it enough. It was such a special time in your life when you really feel like you're making a difference. And this was the last summer I worked at that camp. And so, you know, in, in another way, it was sort of a closing of a chapter. So I wanted to throw it out there to all, uh, to anybody who happens to be listening that uh, might have gone to Adventure Day Camp back in the day in the King of Prussia area. Uh, still thinking about you and I hope everyone is doing well. Very, very cool. Well, that that's a that's a great story. I didn't I don't think I knew that. I'm glad to know that. Now, of course, anything I say now is garbage. Well, I'm I will a say person. It, it, though it sounds very altruistic, <laughs> we did walk away, Keith. You and I did enjoy the plunders of that camp at one point because I, there's a certain uh, projector we used as a television that may or may Wait, not have s- found its way. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, this is great. I'm so I'm so happy to know this now. Because I thought you were a terrible person for having stole it in the first place. Because I thought you stole it from your high school or something. But you stole it from a day camp for special needs kids? Well, I guess <laughs> in a way, yes. But it was originally, quote unquote, procured from... I can't remember where we got it originally. It was donated to said 
to us to use for that camp. Uh, so we were... It, <clears throat> so it was donated for... Us, meaning you and I, to play Madden on the wall in Brooklyn in 2005. Well, you know, that's an oversimplification, but uh, it was no longer in use. We'll say that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Anyway, so, all right. So you win some, you lose some. Yeah, you win some, you lose some for sure. Yeah. Uh, Actually, you know, I was thinking about, I have kept my handle from that time period, too. Um, I don't. I don't remember if I ever if I've told the Paviarto story. On, not on uh, not on this podcast. No, not on this podcast. Yeah, because I my like if you find me on the Xbox, it's Paviarto. Um, that's uh, a nickname that I picked up in high school, where uh, there was this guy I was in chorus. I you were, I thought you were about to say there was this guy I was sleeping with, and I was like, well, this took a turn. No, no, I, that was uh, <clears throat> that was different. Uh, no, we were singing in chorus, and this guy who was sort of a, he was not your typical chorus guy. He was like, he was an outdoorsy kind of, uh, not a sports, but just sort of not who you'd expect to be in chorus. Okay. and But super nice guy, and um, much credit to our chorus teacher, Andrea Hollenbeek, was so good at bringing in all sorts of disparate people into the music program um, that you wouldn't expect. So it was it was much more diverse than you'd expect. Anyway, uh, so we were singing something, and this guy turns to me, and absolutely sincerely, he's like, dude, I, you sound really good. I think you're the next Pavierto. <laughs> so I have then taken the mantle of Pavierto. Which is, much, which is much more creative than your other handle, Keith Varney Writer. <laughs> well, that's my <laughs> professional one. I need okay. to be fairly clear about, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I also have 16 pseudonyms and it's true. so on and so forth. Uh, anyway, so 1999 for me was, it was also a tra- transitional year. I mean, it was the first year of college for me. Um transitioning from musical theater into opera, into the classical world, um, not handling either one of those transitions very well. Um, That said, uh, this summer, I mentioned before, I did Joseph, had a great time doing that, and arrived back at school in the fall a little bit more confident, a little had a little better sense of myself, and subsequently had a much better next three years of college. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say 99 was a good year for me. I would say 99 was a little rough. Um, when do we come back? Like, season, When's the next season premiere? Season four premiere will be at a time in the future, uh, September 27th, okay. 99. All right, so I do go off to college uh, next year. I thought uh, we don't miss that, which is great. It's a great, <laughs> it's a very no. brief stint. It's a brief stint at Ithaca, so I want to make sure we don't miss it. No, we're going to get that. We're going to get Y2K. Oh, we have a lot coming great. up for season four. Y2K. Uh, wow. Why? Yeah, no, this is, you know, we are actually probably dealing with the rumblings of Y2K. We're coming up on the millennium. Ooh. This is, this summer would be, uh, yeah, I guess it would be... The Y2K panic should be starting to set in pretty soon, actually. 
Right. Oh, we're one more year. The following summer will be the Bush Gore election. Oh, boy. Oh, talk about sore spots from 20 years ago. All right. Well, this has been a depressing conversation. Yeah, it really was. We were. So, it was so. Uh, <laughs> we came in so like hot and excited, and then I know. I wonder if we'll decide to keep it, or if people will just if if this entire past fifteen minutes gets snip snipped. But no, 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 no. You know what? It's part no, we'll of keep it. Yeah. Well, I, it's part of what we're going through. Yeah, it's the time capsule where you know I was mentioning before. Like I feel right now, huge tonal shifts in my day. Yes, for sure. And so even in a 15-minute conversation, you're going to be sort of all over the place because everything is all over the place. Okay. No, go ahead. Uh, No, it's okay. Let's go. Let's move. All right. Well, it's time to care about far more important things than people and places and death. Let's talk about awards. And we are going to start with the Real World Awards. For the practice season three, beginning with the category of the Emmys Best Supporting Actor. And would you believe we had not one, but two of our practice family nominated? Ooh, who's it gonna be? The two nominated were Michael Badalucco and Steve Harris. Wow, Bobby, Dylan, come on now. Well, he was he was nominated for best actor, uh, not right? Best supporting. supporting actor. Thank you, thank you. So, let's find out who won. I'm delighted to present the Emmy nominees for supporting actor in the drama series. They are Michael Badalucco for the practice. Come on, Mikey. Benjamin Bratt for Law and Order. Screw you, Benjamin. Steve Harris for the practice. <laughs> Stephen Hill for Law and Order. Noah Wiley for ER. And the Emmy goes to Michael Badalucco for the practice. Jimmy! This is Michael Badalucco's first Emmy nomination. He Harris first win. McDermott was up. Give him a hug. Now, did Steve win last year? Did we have a winner for Best Sport last year? Uh, well, Cameron won Best Supporting Actress, but nobody won. Uh, I'm speechless. Not really. <laughs> My ability to act and the opportunity to work in this business is a gift. A God-given gift for which I am most grateful. The love and support I've always received from my mother and my father, my cousin Johnny, all my relatives who have encouraged me through all the many uncertain years and my friends who have supported me. The love and affection of my wife Brenda are a blessing. The words of David Kelly are an inspiration to me. Thank you, David, for Jimmy and for being such a nice guy. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, The cast. You're also very special. It's an amazing cast. And I wouldn't be out up here without all of you. Uh, everybody who works on the whole show, um, uh, I'll, I'll write you a letter. Steve uh, is loving it. I share this award with you. And to all the viewers who take us into your homes and hearts each week, thank you for your support. And to the Television Academy, I consider this a very, very special honor. Thank you. 
<laughs> My favorite part about that is Michael Badalucco is Jimmy. Jimmy is Michael Badalucco. I love that with all my heart and soul. I should mention, uh, you know, we because we were just talking about the tonal, tonal, our shifts of psyche over the past few weeks, I was about mm, 1% away from crying right there, listening to his speech. Yeah, well, because it's so real and heartfelt. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's it's everything that's great about both Michael Badalucco and the character and his relationship with it. And, you know, I love seeing how much the cast cares about each other. It's like, you know, I I get teary every time I see the TNG cast get together. Like, they're, they're like 30 years later, they're still Skyping birthdays together. Well, you know, I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it. You know, there have been a lot of great shows, great written shows, great performed shows that don't work because the cast... Yeah. doesn't get a lot now it's not a prerequisite but i would you know majority of the time it definitely helps well especially an ensemble piece like this where the whole show is based on the interplay between them mm-hmm. and handing you know and unselfishly handing the ball to different people in different episodes and taking a step back when it's not your episode and it's like this is what's great about this show is you have the ability to do that so next up, nominated for Best Actor, Dylan McDermott, who didn't win. So he doesn't get a song. Uh, do, we, do we at least get an Instagram of his loser face from the Emmys? Uh, I couldn't find it. Oh, interesting. Find it. Okay. I don't think they, they did it. Next up is the category of Best Supporting Actress at the Emmys. Now, this one is interesting because we had not one... Not two, but three cast members nominated for Best Supporting Actress this year. Now, can you... Oh, well, you know what? You can see it, so forget it. <laughs> oh, I'm not looking. I'm not. It's on, You're a, not second, looking. It's on okay. a second screen. Can, yeah. you, can you guess which three were nominated for Best Supporting Actress? Uh, my guesses would be Kaylee Williams, uh, Lara Flynn Boyle, and... Well, Cameron won last year, so you'd think she'd get wrapped in. But I would say, uh, um, uh, who would be the third? Wait, this is supporting, right? Yeah. Supporting, right. Holland Taylor, maybe? She, you are right. All, I, it, was, three, it was Cameron Mannheim, Lara Flynn Boyle, and Holland Taylor. Okay. Were nominated for Best Supporting Actress, even though Holland Taylor was not a series regular. That's really interesting, actually. She was always billed as a special guest star. Huh. And now it is time to figure out who won. I'm here to present the Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. The nominees are Lara Flynn Boyle for The Practice. See, he says Lara. It's Lara, though, right? Kim Delaney for NYPD Blue. I think Lara Flynn Boyle should win. Cameron Mannheim for The Practice. Nancy Marchand for The Sopranos. Ooh. And Holland Taylor for The Practice. And the Emmy goes to Holland Taylor for The Practice. Wow. Holland Taylor won the 1999 Best Supporting Taylor. Actress for The Practice as a featured guest star. 
what is the response of the cast at, on the telecast? I mean, they look happy, but they're all good actors. I don't know. I think I'd be a little bit like, I'd be a little... Well, I guess they could also be considered best actresses, though, right? Instead of supporting. Overnight! Overnight, she says. I hope she talks about erections. Oh, I'm so glad I wrote something. I'm so sorry I can't see it. So good. Mary Flynn Boyle is there with her boyfriend oh, at the well. time, Jack Nicholson. Thanks to the Academy for this wonderful honor. And the real honor, surely, is the company I'm keeping tonight. Especially the women in my category, Kim, Cameron, Lara Flynn, and my beloved Nancy Marshall, whose she daughter I've played at least five times in New York. God bless you, you transcendent actress. Um, Class. You know, All there's class. so many people to thank in so little time. My, my wonderful intrepid agents, Bob Gersh and his team, David Kelly for giving me the chariot to ride up here on, a woman who puts a flag on the moon for women over 40, who can think, who can work, who are successes, who can cook, and who can cook. Yes. It's really true. I mean, it's very true. they've done a really good job of... Featuring people who don't usually get a chance. And she gets played off. She probably killed somebody with her eyebrow. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's, that is, I'm surprised. Interesting, right? Yeah. All right, the next category, they had a very big Emmys this, this year. The next category is Best Guest Actor. So we better get, so next season, we better get a better budget. We better get like all the stops. On season four. I, well, I, I would imagine so, yes. So, we have two nominees for Best Guest Actor. Who would you guess that would be for season three? Now, we're going to have our own. Right. But who would you nominate? Or how would, who do you guess they nominated? For Supporting Actor. Best Guest Actor. Oh, uh, Michael Monks, because he was on the show like a million times. Mm-hmm. Was it can't be Larroquette again? Can it? No, he only he didn't. Larroquette didn't have an episode this season. He just did the cameo. Uh oh, my boy, my boy Tony, Tony Danza. Yeah, right. He was in the opening credits. That's why you mentioned him by name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and there is no footage for this, unfortunately. Oh no. Uh, but nominated was Tony Danza. You're right. And the winner of the best guest actor of the Emmys was Edward Herman. Oh. Was fake Egon. Fake Egon. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. Now, that was a great little arc. It's a huge arc. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was the beginning of the season, so it feels like a long time ago. All right. Now, let me Did one walk of them through. win? Yeah, Ed Herman won. Oh, right. Oh, he won, wow. yeah. Good. Yeah, Tony Danza didn't really, like, do a lot. No, he was just sort of like Tony Danza for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Michael all Monks. Right. We We did. Yeah. Talk. Look, we have our chance to remedy all of society's ills. You're right. I forgot that we we hold the power because we're still talking about it 21 years later. We have so much power. So much power. 
Oh, right. Sometimes, also, Keith, sometimes yeah. you don't have to be the best. You just have to be either the last or the only. That's true. And we are both. <laughs> <laughs> because no one is going to be like, I want to do that too. <laughs> like, this seems like such a good idea that they've done. And look at all the fame and riches it's brought them. <laughs> oh, man. Did I just peek? Did you hear me peek? Oh, you definitely did. It was Damn great. It. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Okay. Also nominated this season, outstanding casting for a series. Janet Gilmore and Megan McConnell. Hold on. We should. I'm going to do. I'll do uh, this with it. Also nominated this season for the practice, outstanding casting for a series. Janet Gilmore and Megan McConnell. Outstanding cinematography for a series. Dennis Smith for the episode Happily Ever After. Outstanding costuming for a series. Shelley Levine and Laurie Parle for the episode of Human Bondage. Outstanding sound mixing for a drama series. Clark King, Harry Adronis, David John West, and Kurt Kosolke for the episode Happily Ever After. None of them won. <laughs> and finally, at the Emmys, they were nominated for Outstanding Drama Series. For the second year in a row, let's find out what happened. And the Emmy goes to... Oh, God, where's... The Practice. Okay. I ruined it. I ruined you it. did ruin it. And the Emmy goes to... It's Kathy Bates. The Practice. Yeah, they won again! Woo! Two for two, bitch! Two, four, two. And I should also point out. Well, I guess you would say two for three. Won the Emmy in this category. That's right. Speaking for the practice. Well, they only had six episodes. Producer, David E. Kelly. Now, in this Emmys, David E. Kelly not only won for the practice as best drama, he won for best comedy for Ally McBeal. Who else was nominated in this category? I don't know. Law and Order. I'm going to find out. Sopranos, probably? Well, I think you can see from the looks on our faces we're a little surprised. Um, but we'll take it. Um, a lot of people to thank. Uh, everybody at ABC, Stu Bluberg, Jamie Tarsus as well, Fox, uh, Sandy Grushaw, Charlie Goldstein, everybody there. Um, our entire company, producers, cast, crew, um, this is uh, a bit of a shock, and uh, I wanted Cameron, believe me, to give the acceptance speech. <laughs> um, but I'm going to just hold it up and say, um, this is for all the underdogs, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> Not much of an underdog anymore, David. No. You are definitely the overdog. Uh, so they beat out ER, Law & Order, NYPD Blue and The Sopranos. That's pretty esteemed company. It really is. You want to know who uh, hosted the Emmys this year? Jenna Elfman and David Hyde Pierce. It's funny. My brain, when I my lizard brain, when I go back in my memories, I remember NYPD Blue being all the rage, winning everything always. It definitely did. It's going to have a run. Okay. But right now... The practice. Jenna Elfman. I don't know where she is. David directed. Oh, I can uh, tell you exactly show. where she is. Jenna, Jenna Elfman is in her house. 
doing, she is. doing nothing. She is. And David is as well, I'm sure. Okay, now it's time to transition to the Golden Globes. Because oh. we're not done. We are not done. We are moving up the food chain. And coming up is the best guess, the best supporting actress category. And the second winner is Cameron Mannheim, The Practice. Cameron won! Yeah, get me that. Get me that Golden Globe. Thank you to the Hollywood Foreign Press for inviting me to the greatest party of the year. To be nominated in the company of such great women is such an honor. Jane, did you ever think that we would be in the same category as Faye Dunaway? This is great! It's crazy! <laughs> I would like to share this award with the people that I get to play with every day. Laura Flynn, Kelly, she Lisa Gay, Marla, Steve, Michael, and Dylan. It's different I'd every time. I'd also like to share it with the crew, Gary Strangis, and all the producers, everyone in the production office, and David Kelly, you take my breath away. I would like to thank my mother and my father who call me every Wednesday morning and tell me the Nielsen ratings. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God tonight it's a rerun or else we would be really high on that list. <laughs> oh, this is just unbelievable. I would also like to thank the New York theater community because it yeah. was on your hey, that's wings us, that I learned to fly. That is. And lastly, I would like to share this with every single senator who votes to dismiss the case tomorrow. So they're in the middle of the Clinton Thank impeachment. You so much. Yes. Wow. Okay. The next up is the category of best lead actor at the Golden Globes. You better freaking win, man. What's going to happen? He got ripped at the Emmys. Now the nominees for Best Actor in a TV Series Drama. David Duchovny, The X-Files. Ooh. Anthony Edwards, ER. Lance mm -hmm. Henriksen, Millennium. Dylan McDermott, The Practice. Jimmy Smith, NYPD Blue. Oh, here we go, head to head. Jimmy Smith, NYPD Blue. Suspense. Dylan McDermott, the president. Wow. Oh, those dreamy eyes. The only thing I ever won before this was uh, the top 100 Irish Americans, so thank you so much. Uh, thank you to ABC Television, 20th Century Fox Television, my castmates. I love you guys so much. I have to name you Steve Harris, Michael Badalucco. Laura Flynn Boyle, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Kelly Williams, Marla Sokoloff. It's such a pleasure to work with you guys every day. Bob Breach, nuts and bolts of the practice. Jeffrey Kramer, who in this very room came to me three years ago and said, do you like good scripts? I said, I don't know, it's television. Well, tonight, hell yeah, I like good scripts. Uh, David Kelly, I mean, uh, so much has been written about oh, we this saw man, but not enough said. wife at the you time, are, who you are a gem. was I on the show crying. Words each and every week, there are not enough trophies to throw at your feet. I share this with you. Thank you, David. Uh, my publicist, Kerry Ross, Nancy Ryder, the crew, the incredible crew. He's not bringing that charisma. Uh, they told me to say I was that, but I really believe it. Uh, Michael Gruber. It's because you can't my see incredible, it. That's incredible, true. incredible manager, Carol Bodie. I share this with you as well. Uh, my good friend Gordon Michaels, 
my dad, my sister, my stepmom, Eve Ensler, you were such an inspiration to me. I also share this with you. Uh, my mentors, N.D. and Bill Wilson, there is a way out. And my beautiful, beautiful wife and daughter, without you, I am nothing. Thank you. Yes. Well, did he say that his stepmom was Eve Ensler? Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Now, I will say this. uh, I'll say this for Dylan. It is really hard to talk in that situation. And uh, I have have never won an Emmy or a Golden Globe, uh, but I have, when I was in Korea with Fired, had a similar situation. And to be fair, I was trying to speak a little Korean to Mm. (laughs) Korean audience. It is really hard to figure out how your feet work, let alone your mouth. That's fair. I've never won anything other than uh, when I was in fourth grade, I won Library Jeopardy. Yeah, you did. Way to go. Thanks, man. Way to go. All right. Well, I will also point out that the best drama for the Golden Globes was also won by the practice. But there's no video for that, so everyone is spared another acceptance speech from 20 years ago. All right, do you know what that means? It's time to get to the real awards. It is time to do the real awards. From 20 years ago, the Out of Practice Podcast Season 3 Oopsie Awards. The first category is Best Episode. The nominees are Endgames, in which Eleanor gets arrested for murder after they find George's knife, and Holland Taylor gives, an ere- gives you an erection from the other side of the room. It was directed by Keith Samples and written by David E. Kelly. Do Unto Others, Eugene defends a rabbi accused of rape. Director by Mel Damsky and written by David E. Kelly. The third nominee is Happily Ever After, the Gonzo season finale in which everything happens. Directed by Dwight H. Little and written by David E. Kelly. Okay. So, did you choose these based on our personal rankings? Yes, I chose these based on our numbers. But I'm not going to tell you what they are, because I want you to be objective. Um. Okay, well, you know, the season finale is really fresh with me. Now, we've received some viewer feedback that we will address next week that does shed some light on, you know, often our personal mood and sort of the excitement of the episode does play into our rankings, right? The, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the internal bias is, is, I believe, we all, I mean, we've never uh, denied it. And, True. you know, George Vogelman, who was like the big twist of that episode, that got me this, for the second time to stand up, scream, and run around my you bedroom. Did. You did, yes. Uh, was like a pretty, a pretty uh, substantial retcon they did on that character. Well, yes. Yeah, they did sort of like throw out everything we've done previous to yeah. that. However, that uh, was the last 11 seconds of the episode, and I don't think really swayed my opinion that much. That said, that episode for me sort of is sort of a standalone outlier. I mean, so much happened. There was some so much greatness in it, but, you know, like last season, I think, you know, the more effective episodes 
that really stuck with me are, you know, the Jimmy, you know, the one that sticks with me the most currently is still the Jimmy, uh, death penalty, death penalty case. case. It just, it really struck me. And, and this season, the season finale, notwithstanding, uh, end games and Cameron just gives such great, such a great performance in that episode. Holland mm-hmm. Taylor gives such a great performance in that episode. I think that, I think that's where I think that's where my vote goes. I think End Games is where I think End Games. Yeah, interesting. Now I'm going to make an argument for Do Unto Others. Okay, where you had Steve Harris give probably probably the best single episode performance so of good. the season. So good. Uh, going through all that he did there, I, you know, I really love that scene that he had with his wife in the restaurant. Um, just like the writing of it, it was straight out of a play. I thought that was really solid. And then, uh, and the happily ever after was just a lot of fun. So I guess, yeah. So I guess the question that we have to, are we going for fun? Are we going for just really good drama or a mixture of the two? Because I feel like end games lives halfway in between mm-hmm. like the impactful, drama of do unto others and the gonzo plot excitement of happily ever after okay so let me go and now let me run the argument you know the one thing we have to also credit is that in a season that had peaks and valleys as they all do you know where i closed last week's episode in my praise of happily ever after was that they were able to deliver such a satisfying conclusion to a season while not limiting their options for next season you know they kept it exciting they closed so many uh so many plot plot arcs and yet still we have so many big bads left to play with we've got the we've got the arc of bobby and Lindsay getting engaged to explore they left us with so much still so it's such a gargantuan thing to do all those things and deliver a, a fun exciting season finale it's hard not to give it the credit it deserves. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, we need we need a decision, ladies and gentlemen. And and also should be said that in each of these episodes, uh, you know, it's they're not none of these are true ensemble episodes, really. No, no, they're sort of. Yeah, I mean, as is typical with the show. Yeah, usually one person takes the lead in it. So are we, are we going for a an Eleanor episode, a Eugene episode, or a Bobby episode? Well, you know what? How who's <laughs> the people hate when we do stuff like this? So I was going to tease and say who won the most Emmys this year. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The practice did. The practice won everything. Yeah. Um. Oof. Well, all right. Should we determine that the tiebreakers would be the scores that we gave them? Well, that's the thing. Are we going to... We both would... I think we both would be happy settling on any of these, really. Right. Um, I For some reason, I think we're hesitant to give the season finale best, best episode be, just because it was, like, so gonzo. Right. Can it be both the best episode and the most nutty? Sure. 
you know what? I th- I think that's in line with our podcast, right? I think it. <laughs> well, you said nutty, not incompetent. It, it was, but I mean, it, like it was all things, right? Concurrently, and it shouldn't. Yeah. Have, it shouldn't have worked, but for some reason, it's working somehow. <laughs> and it's sloppy. <laughs> Yeah. insanity it works yeah i think i've swayed i think i want to i think i want to change my vote to happily ever okay. after again all right well that's gonna determine it wow yes we did it happily ever after the gonzo season finale wins best episode of season three all right Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to determine the worst episode of the season. The nominees are State of Mind, Lucy Tries to Make Out with Bobby. The episode is a symphony of misogyny. Helen's a bitch. Lindsay and Helen have a food fetish porn show. (laughs) I don't know what I mean by that. And a lady kills a baby. Crossfire. There's a cross-eyed guy. Get it? Plus, a nonsensical carjacking in which Helen doesn't believe the victim. And last, split decisions. We torture a man for cross-dressing. Eleanor takes a swing at Lucy, and Eleanor and Lindsay continue fighting for no reason other than they're both women in the office. Okay, so... So worst episode. Keith, remind me, is state of mind both when Lucy tried to make out with Bobby, uh-huh. the food fight happened, and when Bobby left the dead baby on the steps? Is that that dead baby? No. No, th- this is this is um uh blah, 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 blah. Kathy Baker shakes the baby to death. This 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 was shaken one. Okay, shaken not, dead baby. Yes, not stirred. I'm trying to remember cross-eyed guy, the carjacking. That one doesn't stick out as like. Well, here, I'll go first. On you this go first. One. Yeah. There's only one episode that I did a closing on <laughs> where I did a point by point assassination of the episode for the 10,000 different ways. It was misogynistic. Yeah. I remember that. That was also state of mind. And Technically, the food fight blew our minds. The food fight, this one was our least or our lowest rated show of the season and the second lowest for the series. Wait, that wasn't just the food fight. Bobby also just like randomly walked in, right? Because he has to witness the food fight. (laughs) That's right. Of course. Yeah, it was it was for all, all of our pleasures, but most importantly, Bobby's. Yeah, Lucy making out with Bobby didn't bother me so much like because they're great actors but like in a in in combination with that whole episode it just really screamed of we got to give something for the fellas yes it sure did and to be fair it got a rating of 3.25 from us what about what did it get on imdb out of curiosity can we pull that up uh i sure can uh i don't think everyone else hated it nearly (laughs) as much as we did uh you got a seven on IMDb. Yeah, but th- you don't ever see anything lower than a seven on IMDb. Oh, uh, no, Day in the Life got 6.9. Mm, interesting. But yes, no, that that would be the second uh, lowest rated on IMDb for the season. I'm happy. I'm happy giving that my full throttled endorsement for worst episode. <laughs> full throttled? Yeah. 
I was going to say full-throated, but I felt like that. No, I think it's even better. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations. State of mind. You have been fully throttled out as the worst episode of season three. Okay. Guys, it's time for the MVL. Nominated this season are Lindsay Dole, Helen Gamble, Jimmy Berluti, and Rebecca Washington. Okay. So let's just talk through the numbers here. Okay. Uh, as you can see on the screen, I have counted up their MVL votes. These are the combined totals from you and me. And Lindsay and Helen got seven MVL votes. Jimmy got six. But Rebecca got ten MVL votes for season three. So let's, you know, to just sort of explain that outlier a little bit, we should mention that, and this has been brought up actually in feedback for us before, that we tend to skew towards awarding MVL to people who win cases. I only, I like people who are winners. I like them that don't get captured. So Rebecca is often, not always, but often the sort of B or C case Right, and so she's in. She's had a lot more cases, I think, this year, this season. She, oh well, this is the first season she was a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm yes. getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, all right. All so right. you know the num. We can't. I don't want to go by number alone. Where I would put my vote is in two main factors. One, this is her first year, like you just said, her first right. year as not only a lawyer, but or I was going to say as not only part of the team, but as a lawyer at all. Right, right. And she is a killing it. She definitely is killing it. In addition to that, with the exception of slapping a kid upside the head a couple times, <laughs> right. she, she has not gone absolutely insane in the courtroom yet. Right. Whereas right. every one of these other lawyers, Jimmy not as much, he's more just kind of been stupid a he's, few times. He's, he's more like the occasional dum-dum. Uh, Helen and Lindsay have both gone insane, and um, as has Bobby. He's not even on the list this year. And so I think for her level-headed coolness and her quick rise to victorious, skilled litigator, I'm going to award my vote to Rebecca Washington. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. I, I think you could make an argument that the stakes were lower, but not all not all the time. Like, she... She defended that guy who was uh, planning to kill his wife or in, enjoying the fantasy of killing his wife. And she also did a she did another murder case with Jimmy. So I also think that close she did with that case where the cops saw the guy up on the balcony and then decided they didn't see him because yes. it wasn't his blood. I thought yeah, that close was, was such excellent. a definition of her sort of moral center that really guides, that keeps us on track when we swing radically left and right. Uh, I think that alone really brought it home for me. Okay, well, I think we're unanimous. Congratulations, Rebecca Washington, with your season three MVL. I, I'm sure the fictional characters are so excited about their fictional awards. Now it's time... It is time to announce the best guest actor uh -oh. for the practice season three. 
Your nominees are Michael Monks as George Vogelman, Linda Hunt as Judge Zoe Hiller, Edward Herman as Anderson Pearson, Holland Taylor as Judge Roberta Kittleson, and Anjanue Ellis as Sharon Young. Okay. Best okay. guest. Okay, I'm gonna lim- I'm gonna I'm going to bring it down to two. Okay. If you if those two aren't in your top, then you can absolutely reopen the field. Uh but if if they are, then let's just have a, a shorter conversation. I appreciate everything Michael Monks did this season. He's been great. Uh I also think Edward Herman, who won the Emmy, uh was <laughs> also excellent. Both give incredible performances, but things were happening to them, and they were doing a lot of reacting. Mm-hmm. Whereas Linda Hunt, Holland Taylor, and Anjanu Ellis, I think all really showed both sides of that coin. They were reactive as well as sometimes had to drive the bus. Uh, specifically, in my opinion, Holland Taylor and Anjanu Ellis, I think, had... You know I love me some Linda Hunt. But they both had differing kinds of arcs. Anjanu Ellis had to play wildly different uh, objectives objectives and colors and circumstance and stakes. And I thought navigated it really incredibly with limited opportunity to do so, you know, as far as screen time. Mm -hmm. And Holland Taylor, well, she was a Batman villain. She was a crazy ass judge she was a sex pot she was a sex symbol she she was also a very a strong independent confident older woman yeah like and and like competent like like she was actually a really good judge sometimes as well and in and in collaboration with the writing was able to play with ver- play her character with incredibly clear objectives as if she knew where she was going all alone whilst keeping us unclear on any of her objectives which and, is an incredibly hard thing to do well and probably i mean assuming that this show was produced like a normal tv show she had to play those objectives without knowing what the payoff was going to be so she's you know, probably getting her scripts week to week and doesn't really know what's going to happen so, so she's like oh i've crossed out her face huh wonder what that's going to do gotta better make a choice now i will say that both and both of them had to play had to do quick shifts because it seemed pretty yeah. clear where we were going with uh Judge Kittleson with the crazy stuff and then it wasn't that or at least it doesn't we don't know but uh it she changed the character changed and Anjanu Ellis had a similar shift in which you know she was uh strongly against Eugene and then had to show all that empathy. And well, she did a really good job of playing hard and soft. Yeah. But I will say it's hard not to give this to Holland Taylor. It would be sort of Well, to be fair, she can make you hard from across the room. Yeah, she can, and she is currently. And so all signs and erections are pointing to <laughs> Holland Taylor. <laughs> For oh, me. no. Uh, well, I will not use the same nomenclature, but I will 
Agree. I actually agree on your assessment on all of that. You know, and, and I think it's a really good point. The reacting versus generating drama. And and I think you're right that Holland has this ability to generate um, uh, drama, to drive the bus, to be in control of every scene, regardless of what's happening in the plot and who else she's in the room with. And it's like when you saw her in a scene with Linda Hunt and just they could be talking about getting donuts in the morning Mm -hmm. and it's going to be compelling and sparks are going to fly. So, yeah, I think I well, And to be fair, in real life, she did such a good job. They pretended she was a regular cast member and gave her a Best Supporting Actress Emmy. I, I will say that her and Linda Hunt, you know, in a lot of SVU or Law and Order or sh- or shows of this sort of type, you see some of the same district attorneys or judges come back and play. But in this show, to the credit of, of David E. Kelly, these two actresses have... <laughs> have said, you know what? We're going to be so good that they're going to write us into these these plot lines and we're going to become basically I, I'm not flabbergasted she won as a supporting actor or as a a Guest regular ca- yeah, as a regular right. cast member basically because they feel that way at this point. Oh yeah. No, and fully integrated into a show that was already running, which is a, a real accomplishment to just show up on your first day and feel like you're a part of this show. So congratulations, Holland Taylor, for your season three MVL. Which takes us to the category of best actor on the practice season three. Your nominees are Steve Harris, Cameron Mannheim, Michael Badalucco, Dylan McDermott, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Kelly Williams, Marla Sokolov, and Lara Laura Flynn Boyle. All right, so on our screen here, we can see how many votes they got from us. And at the bottom, Marla got four, Kelly got five, Lisa Gay got five, and Michael got three. So the the top for us were Steve Harris, Cameron Mannheim, and Lara Flynn Boyle. Now, what do you see? Now, those were just episode by episode. How did you feel about the totality of the season? Well, uh, first I want to do an honorable mention, if I may. Okay. I the, think that's all the cast members. but Totally. But it's the easiest for me right now because this is, this is like a Sophie's Choice. Um, yeah. The stakes are <laughs> different. <laughs> But it feels that way. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Marla Sokolov because it's she's joining an incredible ensemble. Yeah. As a series, a series has already been going on and was sort of introduced as kind of a comic relief type character and grew to be a member of the team. With not a lot of great plot lines, they gave her only one true featured episode. And I think she did everything in her power as an actress to integrate herself and become indispensable to the series. And so whilst I don't think she was given enough to to win Best Actor of the Season, I want to make sure I shout her out. I think it's important for the masses and masses to know how I feel, Keith. Oh, absolutely. We all know no, how you, you feel. 
Uh, uh, indeed. No, you're totally right. And her uh, her performance in Home Invasions was just dynamite. And I, I'm definitely well. And that's and it's a funny award because over a season, every one of these actors are capable of just obliterating an episode. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to the writing. It's almost like David E. Kelly determines the best actor. And uh, all right, so I'm going to give you my vote. Okay. And my vote uh, is for Steve Harris. Uh, mainly because of uh, the episode Do Unto Others, but also his whole arc in his relationship with his job and how that affects his relationship with his ex-wife and how it affects his relationship with his son. He showed heart, empathy. He made mistakes. He grew, but didn't change fundamentally who he was. And I think, you know, for me, I think Steve Harris did the best work this season. I'm so glad you said that because we don't have to extrapolate this for hours and hours. I agree. And I agree for everything you just said in addition to, like you had said, you know, David E. Kelly really directs this because, you know, I I guarantee you could count these episodes we've awarded these MVLs, and it's based on whose episode it was, right? Right. Because they all can kill it. Uh, Cameron, Dylan, every one of them can kill an episode uh, in the best best possible way. But what Steve does that I think is above and beyond, yes, when it's his episode, it's a memorable episode there's bomb drops and he plays every nuance and we know more about his character than anybody else not just because of the yeah, writing but because yeah. of the way he plays it and he gives us hints you know uh i you know it's not always we don't always know if it's just the writing that oh he didn't drink that or maybe he's not right, alcoholic right. or maybe he you know every scene he's got some nuance that gives us a little hint of something else but here's what i want to emphasize because you didn't quite say it not only does he steal the scenes he's in, but they often put him into scenes where he doesn't say anything. I think of the Bobby when he goes to his friend and they shook the baby to death or the mom killed the baby in the laundry basket. Right, right. Or whatever. They thought maybe the dad was incest, whatever that crazy episode. And they put the baby at, you know, they leave her at the church at the end. Steve barely says anything in that episode. But yeah. he does so much reaction and so much that he that I remember his stuff in that episode. You know yeah, what I mean? Th- totally. And he every time he's in a scene, even if we joke on the podcast like, "Oh, Steve's just rolling his eyes all this this episode." He's still in that scene and he's impacting the scene and his just presence is always a force. And I think that yeah. that is that's acting, that's charisma, that's just work. And like you said, he did the best work. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations. Steve Harris on your season three oopsie award. You lost the Emmy, but you don't care anymore because you have an oopsie. Didn't he win last year too for us? He won season one. Okay. Uh, Michael won season two. Okay, that brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady of season three. The nominees are Tom Brady. Okay, so. I think, in my humble opinion. Yes. Uh, you know, we beat this joke so hard that it's come back. It's resurrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that we're still here. I'm glad that Tom has a new job, a plethora of jobs from the podcast. 
I think I'm going to specifically award my favorite Instagram this year ah. to Atticus Finch, Tom Brady. I think you really just, the the hair, the whole thing really just made it work for me. <laughs> so, so Atticus Finch, Tom Brady, <laughs> wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. He does indeed. Also, little did we it. know that when he won that, it would be the last time people would go to the theater, so... Yeah, right. Okay. Well, hey, congratulations to Atticus Finch Tom Brady for winning the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady Season 3. Oopsie. That's a mouthful. Okay. That brings us to... It is time to announce the Season 3 Tires! Okay, season tires. Now, let me give you some stats. Okay. This season, my average has been 7.13. Okay. Your average is 7.08. So I liked this season better than you for a combined average of 7.11. Last season, I had an average of 6.82, and you were 7.11. So we flipped a little bit this season. So, but now that you, but each of those decisions were made episode by episode without a a greater context of seeing the entire season and how it pans out. Now, how do you feel? How many tires would you like to award season three? Yeah, and I think that that's important. Much like the president's response to the coronavirus, this is all based on feel. (laughs) You know, I feel like... There are no facts here. The the data is is there, and I see it. I just don't agree with it. Uh, <laughs> much like the let me let me put it this way. Let me put it in a couple of factors. Last season, the gap between season two and three, I I am more excited about continuing the journey from three to four than I was from two to three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that plays in. So I clearly sure. think I like this season more. Granted, you know, I'm more invested now, but as time goes on, as more time of my life has been dedicated to this process. Well, season two was about half your life. It was yes. 27 episodes. Yeah. Um, I also just have a general. There's more love. I mean, it's I just love it now. Uh, so <laughs> my average for this season was a 7.8. I would like to. I'm going to round things. 7.08. I'm going to round things a little bit better, and I'm going to bump it to a full eight tires for season three. Wow. Well, you know, as you were talking, (laughs) and as I was thinking, because I wasn't listening. Yeah, right, right, right. I was doing something else, and I was going through the whole season and thinking about it as a more serialized story. And taking a look at the the longer story arcs that played throughout. And I think season two might have had a couple better individual episodes for sure than we saw in season three. That said, the actual story arc and the development of the characters, both of our characters, the guest stars, the villains, all of it really tied together. And when we got to the end of the season and we're tying up all of these stories, 
it really felt like, as opposed to a whole bunch of single episodes, one big story throughout the season. And uh, and I totally agree with you. I really, really liked the 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 mix and the story arc and and how these are happening. So you know what? I for the first time this season am going to agree with you and award also eight spare tires. Wow! So season three, you get an eight. That's big. Wow. It's huge for no one, for no reason. But we're pretending it's a big deal. We're officially ending the quarantine. (laughs) It's over. We feel like it's doing good. Yeah. (laughs) You can stop day drinking. Wait, no. No, (laughs) No, don't do that. Okay, well then. Do I have to say, quick aside, I woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Briefly, I did go back to bed, but I woke up this morning. I put my pants on, I logged in, and I started to work because I just assumed it was Monday. (laughs) Because it all feels like a weekend. Yeah. No, I've lost track of what day it is, what time it is, what month it is. I then went back to bed and slept till noon, till you text me. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, I have two little nuggets to finish our episode with. The first stop is a little piece of trivia. Okay. Uh, which I don't know if you looked at the screen, no, no. but we have done season three, not of the practice, but of out of practice. You have wasted 44 hours and 38 minutes of your life listening to us talk about season three, not counting this episode. So that's almost two full days of your life. That you will never get back. Now that's what about have you didn't run the numbers of cumulative start to start to finish have you? Oh, you mean the whole the whole shebang, the whole kit and caboodle. Do I have the numbers? Have we met? <laughs> <laughs> you have now wasted, not counting this episode, one hundred and eight hours and forty one minutes and twenty four seconds of your life. Wow. We'll add another hour and a half to that, so we're oh, close to about am... 110 hours of your life. Yeah, we should finish everything with an apology. You want content? Pew, 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 pew! But is it content, or is it just noise? Does noise count as content? Yeah. Unclear. All right, and the last thing I'm going to leave you with, we're going to hear three little clips that I like to call the best of season three. Oh my God, I'm excited. Starting with a clip entitled Keith Breaks Everything. <laughs> Once you're off probation, do you get your Fourth Amendment rights back? Or is that something that was, that was a mistake on the show? Or am I just entirely making it up and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, which option C is by far the most likely of these things. But it Actually, did make me wonder. we have a bumper that covers this exact situation. We do. And now you have to sing. Uh, oh, oh, fucking hell. Well, at <laughs> least we're hearing them all. We're hearing them all. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, I have to do this twice. Okay, for the first one. <laughs> 
Some people play the bumpers without their big fat fingers hitting all the buttons <laughs> and it sort of makes sense, but this is not that podcast. Okay, that's the first one. I'll Second one. <laughs> Some people know when they make a point, they've looked it up ahead of time as opposed to just talking, but I'm not that podcast Man, guy. that rhyming was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely stellar. Welcome to the team, Tom Brady. Oh! (laughs) So many wires. They're everywhere. There are fires on my chair and my hair. (laughs) It is time to bail. Everyone, eject. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't say how many tires. (laughs) Oh, fuck. One more time. Hit it. (laughs) Oh, no. Some people know <laughs> what happens in the show. They know what to do and what order do they go they through. Go. But this is not that <laughs> podcast. Oh, oh, really? Oh, my God. Oh, I almost pee-peed a little bit. <laughs> oh, that was Whew. a true mess. God, it feels good to laugh. Right? Whew. All right. Well, coming up next. I'm going to start crying a- again. I know, right? <laughs> We're going to laugh, going to cry. We're going to do all of it. But we have a special visitor for our next best of clip. Ooh. It's like just, it's like imagine Barack Obama sitting, having a cup of coffee, telling you that he wants to get money for, you know, the public libraries in your town. Uh, Mike and Deglio, I have a question <laughs> for you. Uh, do you like libraries? I enjoy libraries. I, I America do, Bar- likes I do, libraries. I do, Barack. I do, indeed. <laughs> What can you do about the smell of poop in the summer? Uh, poop is part of uh, America, part of a uh, natural, uh, the world that we live in. We're going to have some poop. Uh, I poop. Michelle poops. The kids poop. Um, that, we, I don't know how or why, but we are having Barack back on later, because thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barack. Do you uh, watch, glad to do, be here. Do you watch the practice, Barack? Uh, uh, no. What about I do not watch television. Chicago Hope? Never watched that? I uh, like Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> Enjoyed his performance in Avita. Uh, Barack, no, I don't watch that show. Barack, would you would you do me a little uh a little che? Uh no. <laughs> I would not. You don't want to sing uh High Flying Adored as Barack Obama? Uh I'm not sure how to do that. <laughs> Uh, your request uh, was high flying ignored. <laughs> Zing! Zing! Oh, <laughs> oh all uh, right. Woo, woo. I'm crying now. For and real. now I'm going to finish this off woo. with my favorite clip, I think, ever from the history of this show. I'm just happy you went back and had to listen to some of these. Oh, I sure did. And this clip, everyone knows what we're about to hear. I don't. We're going to hear from Nyquil Mike. Oh, no. Keith. <coughs> I, I, owe you an, I owe you an apology. For for what? You remember when you first said that you like took a shining to Lucy? And I, yeah. made, fun, I made fun of you? Uh-huh. Yeah, I apologize. Are, are you finding that are you uh are you finding her a little shiny these days? Yeah, she 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 ha- she, she make me happy. <laughs> oh, that might that literally 
might have distilled the most uncomfortable moment in about 80 hours of recording so far. NyQuil Mike. The quote was, she, 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 she make me happy. I'm not like I'm not even gonna play the bumper because Mike isn't thirsty. Mike is terrifying. I think you might have killed that girl. Oh, oh man, I didn't. You think put I was her head in the bag, didn't you? Just wait for it. Because she, she, she made you so happy you'd had to decapitate her and put her head in the bag. And you're not allowed to cut this. Mike Mike also finds this way funnier than it should be. It's making me laugh. Wow. Stereo. I think I broke Mike. I'm done for. I'm not supposed to touch Mike. Oh man, please tell me you're gonna cut out that when I just say she, she, she make me happy. Oh no, that is staying in. Oh my god, that was funny. Oh boy, you oh. lost it. Ooh. Oh wow. What was I on? What was happening? Why was I drunk? Well, well, you were sick, and so you were on a bunch of NyQuil, I think. Uh, so, I mean, do you even remember that episode? Mm-mm. Yeah. What? Yes, I do. <clears throat> wow. I remember she well, making you know, me happy, but... she Yeah, well, that clip making me happy. Ooh. Well, you know what? That's, uh, that's the end of season three, Mike. Wow. Season three was we, a ride, man. Season three really, I'll really I'll say was. this. More than any other season, more has changed from for us from the start of the season to the end of it than I think <laughs> could ever have been expected or predicted. Uh, the whole world... No one could have. No one's ever seen anything like it before. Oof. Wow. Yeah. No. It's a. Uh, whew. But I, you know, I I share your excitement for season four. Uh. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm pumped. I can't wait to get to it. Well, we're we're going to next week because we have all the time in the world. Will there be a wedding this season? That's a good question. All right. So what what other questions? Let's let's uh. Let's do some predictions. Okay. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think, I mean, it it stands to reason that it's a little early for Bobby and Lindsay to get married. So I'm expecting to for some sort of shoe to drop in that department. Okay. I feel like they got to bring back Larroquette hard this season. I really need a Joey Herrick, like a big swing from him. Okay. I... I, I'm really curious to see what happens with Michael Monks. Like, do we just never hear from him again? And that's just like, that was that's over and done with, and we he got away? Right. Uh, what happens with Kittleson? Right. Uh, and do we bring anybody else into the mix? Are we going to stick with this core cast of characters, or are they going to take some more? Are they going to use that newfound Emmy money and magic to to blow it out more what what will change or will we just focus and also will we get more sort of all hands on deck type episodes or are we going to still keep this sort of featured player type thing those are my kind of questions and predictions okay 
Well, stay tuned. It's been a fun season, buddy. Are there great uh, new guest stars coming? Of course there are. Yeah. Uh, oh, believe me, there there is a lot coming guest star wise. All right. Thank you. Never you worry. Ooh, I'm still crying. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I think that's it, kids. Go. I was going to say go outside. Don't go outside. Yeah, don't do that. Do not go outside and enjoy the day. But uh, stay inside. Send us a shout out. If you get bored, you could write us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, send a voicemail. It could be a minute long. It could be seven minutes long. We will dissect (laughs) it and respond to it. That's true. Go ahead and check out our social media where Keith has to superimpose Tom Brady's face on someone new each week. At Out of Practice Podcast. Not only is he doing those Instagrams, he's keeping up with the Facebook and posting all of the guest stars, all of our awards every week in visual form, and also documenting them and the chronicling of all of our rankings and spare tires for each episode at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And if you've stuck around this long, why? But if you have, help us out by joining the jury and leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know where it is and we will read it on air and welcome you to the jury. This week, as for the past few weeks, I will leave links in our show notes to donate to the relief efforts going on. Or you could actually donate to us if we're your relief effort to keep your mind off the end of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, grab every laser sound I've had for season three, put them into one giant beam, and shoot them right at Keith's face. Laser sound.